Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you so much for joining us today. Please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Plus, don't forget, you can now play this podcast on any Amazon-enabled device. Just ask Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Treniglia from Apple Podcasts. Before this episode begins, please consider taking a minute and leave a rating and review. Doing this really does help us grow the show, and you can get featured for your review on a future episode. And we are on to episode 118 of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest is Bridget Orchard. Bridget is the head softball coach at Villanova University. Prior to taking over for the Wildcats, Bridget spent 17 seasons at Fordham University, this all coming after her own successful playing career at Villanova. A few of the topics we get into in today's conversation include the increased knowledge level of student-athletes and how that affects her recruiting and relationship building, the evolution of a young coach and what goes into the learning process, why it's important to not get too high or too low with your emotions, what it means to treat people differently but also treat them fairly, and how to connect with the team individually but also in a wider team setting. Throughout this conversation, you will hear Bridget be so passionate about softball. It's no wonder that she looks to recruit the same type of kids to her program, ones that are super passionate about softball. And you'll also hear Bridget talk about how it's important for her to be a visible female role model for the younger generation. I love this conversation. I especially love What I mentioned earlier, the portion of our conversation that focuses on how to treat people differently, but also treat them fairly. And we talk a little bit about her perspective, and then I throw in my own spin, connecting her words to the story of Joe Torre in the way that he also went about that same type of philosophy, which I write about in my book, Culture of Excellence, What the Yankees Can Teach Us About Leadership. And that book is going to be available for purchase starting tomorrow. So it was an easy segue to get a nice little quick book plug in before this conversation with Bridget. But it's also a great highlight to mention because it's a style and it's a philosophy that great visible leaders like Joe Torre and like Bridget use in their coaching philosophy. So let's not waste any more time and let's dive right into the conversation and let's discover our talent altitude here is my talk with bridget orchard welcome back to the dynamic leaders podcast today my guest with me is bridget orchard bridget thank you so much for joining the show Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to get to talk to you about your athletic career and now your coaching career. 
they've both been pretty amazing and I'm sure we have lots to get to. But before I spoil your whole introduction for you here, I want to give you an opportunity for you to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Um, well, like you like you mentioned, I'm Bridge Georgetown, I'm the head softball coach currently at Villanova University. I also played here collegially softball at Villanova. So it's pretty cool that I'm able to come back to my alma mater. But between me playing and coaching, I was coaching at Cabrini College, which is just right across the street here from Villanova. So I'm familiar with this area. And then I spent the last 17 years at Fordham University, which is in Atlantic 10 in the Bronx up in New York City. So I've been, been around a little bit, but I'm loving every minute of it. So cool. And it seems like softball is kind of at the center of your world, both when you were younger and now in your adult life. Was softball like always the thing for you? Did you know that you wanted to play softball as long as you could and you wanted a career in softball after that? Yeah, well, I didn't know I wanted a career in it. I know I loved playing it. I always thought it was just a game. I didn't realize until after I really couldn't get a job that I realized I could make a career of it. So it's been pretty cool to kind of see my path. My brother was in basketball. He played basketball at Fordham. And he's two years ahead of me, so I kind of followed him. So I played a lot of sports growing up. Back then, it's when you used to play different sports. Every season was a new sport. So I swam, played soccer, um, softball, basketball. I kind of did a little bit of everything, but softball was kind of like my true love, something that I think I was better at than everything else. But um, it wasn't until pretty much, you know, probably high school where I focused, you know, just on softball, mainly like in the summer. I did mostly softball over all the other sports and able to do that with the friends, the teammates that I had. It just made me love, love the game and then obviously gave me the opportunity to play at Villanova grew my love and passion for the sport. And then after that, when I was in school, I was majoring in communications and I thought I wanted to go to law school. Like I had so many different ideas of what to do as a job. I didn't realize <laughs> that coaching was a job. Um, so it took me till after I graduated to realize that I can make a career of it. I think there's a lot of people that whether they listen to this podcast or listen to other podcasts, they're in that high school time of their life and trying to make that decision, whether they've already started to specialize or they just know that they can play whatever game they they're playing at the next level. And I, I'm always curious as to how people make that determination and then how they put that work in to get there because you played division one softball. So you're at the highest level. How do you get from the point where you say like, Hey, I'm going to specialize in softball when I get into high school to the point where hey, I can actually play here. Schools are coming to look at me. I'm getting offers. Like, how do you make that all work? It's just funny because nowadays it's so different from obviously when I played back in the 90s. But we played, it really was just for fun and we enjoyed it. And we did the same thing with travel ball. We traveled to nationals and we worked out, but it really wasn't about being recruited. And I think like nowadays, you know, people get into it thinking, you know, when they're, my kids are 10, 11 years old, it's like how I get recruited and what teams to play on. And back then we played more, you know, it was fun. We wanted to get after it, wanted to do it. And then probably towards my junior year, even as late as my junior year, realized like, hey, you know, we can go to college. I do have scholarships for this. We're going to focus in on this. So I think we were luckier back in the day to be able to enjoy it more. And I just loved hanging out with my teammates and traveling and having so much fun with it. And it was kind of a bonus. Hey, we get to go to college and play this as well. So I definitely think that it kind of fell upon us. And I always tell our girls too, I think that softball, I was I'm not as good as they are right now. <laughs> like the level of play today is unbelievable. And I think it probably is due to kind of some of the specializations and what they do, but um, no way could I play today. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I feel the same way about baseball <laughs> when I was playing. <laughs> they're, they're just so far ahead. Not I feel like not only 
in athleticism and the way they can play the game, but just their knowledge and everything, like whether it's baseball or softball related or just anything related to school or the outside world. Like I feel like the knowledge level is just so much more increased these days. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many good things. Like I said, there's some negatives, but I think, yeah, like you said, the positive, I mean, just like the, the strength coaches, my brother does that now for a living. He just trains people. And back then we didn't have somebody just to train us in conditioning and lifting and running. So that aspect of it, they're so much stronger. And then they also have their coach that coaches them and they have their hitting coach and their pitching coach and their parents. And they just have so much, like I said, knowledge out there to get them better and just training even facilities. Now there's indoor facilities. I'm from upstate New York, so we didn't play all year round. We just couldn't. And nowadays it doesn't matter if you're from PA or New York or even Maine, like you could play all year round. They're traveling down south in you know January, so it, it's pretty cool the opportunities that they're getting, which is really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Now back to your career specifically, you have a pretty successful one at Villanova before you venture off into the real world. And I heard you say that you didn't realize coaching was even an option for you to do, but. Again, very curious as to people's transitions almost immediately after that collegiate career ends, because a lot of us go through these uncertainties and these identity crises. Like we've been playing, especially like a softball, baseball thing. Like you've probably been playing since you were five years old. Some of the other sports, you don't start to a little bit older, but that's a long time to be doing one thing and to have your identity kind of wrapped up into it. So how did you approach just that? initial like right after you were going to graduate college what was that phase like for you yeah it was it was really quick and i was really blessed and i always say that i was just lucky it's kind of the right time in the right place um like i said you know in college i was actually studying for quote real job i took the lsats i thought i was going to go to law school at one point i was just communications i wanted to do like marketing advertising i had so many different interests that i wanted to do for the real world and then upon graduating i ended up getting a postgraduate scholarship to temple university to get my master's in sports administration and so i, I took advantage of that and was like all right i'm going to do this i get to go to school for two years for free so i'm thinking you know, i'll just extend this as long as i can because i really didn't want to leave school and then I worked in the athletic program at Villanova and the opportunity came up. They needed a coach, a softball coach at Cabrini College. And my coach at the time, Marie DeMari, suggested to go over there and interview. And I'm thinking, I don't, I play softball. I don't coach it. I don't know how to coach it, but whatever. I, I do need a job. I'll, I'll go interview for it. So I went over for an interview one day and I ended up getting offered the job. I remember talking to my parents and thinking like, do I even take this? I don't know if I even know how to coach. So I really went into it blind. I took the job and my career kind of skyrocketed from there. And I always give credit to the players that I had when I first took the Cabrini job. Like they're the reason that I'm coaching today. And I talked to them. They're still like my best friends to this day, which is funny. We went to dinner that night with a lot of them. And it's just funny because I always talk about if they weren't as great people and I'd have a great relationship with them, I might've not have stayed in coaching. I could have taken, you know, did that for a couple of years and then went and pursued a different avenue. But because of them, they kind of brought that love of the game, the love of coaching, the love of getting after it, that I continued on. And I ended up leaving there after four years and taking the division one job at Fordham. And then the rest is history. So what else goes into the evolution of a young coach, somebody who's not a hundred percent positive that they're even cut out to do the job. How do you get from that point to where you are now? But those early years, like what are some of the things that you're trying to focus on to get better and improve on? Um, a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I always say that you know, I've never been an assistant coach. So it's kind of an interesting path. I've always been a head coach and I've learned kind of by the seat of my pants and I've learned so much from my players. And I think that kind of molded me to kind of my philosophies and 
the cultures that I create came from my experiences, obviously. And I think that, like I said, I made a lot of mistakes and it, I was had such the opportunity to kind of step right in division three program, get after it. And, you know, we did so many fun things. It was, like I said, it didn't seem like work. It didn't seem like a job. And so the girls, like I said before, they, they were just great. The relationship we formed, the fun we had together, the wins, the losses, the ups and downs. And I started to realize that that's the stuff that I love. I love the competitiveness. I love getting out there and competing. I love it at, you know, at every level. And it was great. And there was no difference from my division three experience to my division one experience as far as competitiveness. Like we were trying to win national championship in division three. We made it to the NCAAs three times and fell short in the regionals. It's probably still one of the toughest losses of my coaching career it was my, my final year at Cabrini. We lost, we had to get beat twice to go to the world series and we got beat twice. So it was still crushing. We still talk about it to this day, but again, that was probably over 20 years ago. And then at the division one level, same thing, you know, we just, just different little differences here and there as far as like the traveling and the amount of games you play. But as far as the competitiveness of the girls and the worth ethic and the life lessons and just the things off the field, those are so cool about coaching, which is why I'm like, I don't feel like coaching is a job because it's so much fun and it's so different every year. So I just really feel lucky and blessed to that I found this, you know, coaching and that I'm allowed to do it. So you mentioned that you made quite a few mistakes and generally I try to stay pretty positive on this podcast, <laughs> but I also do really feel very powerfully that you can learn a lot from your mistakes. And I'd love for you to be able to maybe offer up some of those to young coaches out there who are listening. Maybe they can avoid these mistakes if they're something that's an easy fix or just something that maybe you overlooked. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff, the growing pains are just, I think when I was younger, I took everything. And again, I wasn't, I didn't have a family at the time either. So it's just different. I think it is for young coaches. Um, but I took everything so seriously, like so seriously, like the wins I took, you know, I was super excited. was really, really high on the wins and the losses. I was really, really low on the losses. So I always tell people like, just try to stay, don't get too high. Don't get too low and kind of experience both. And I, I kind of could talk a little about that when I started, when we started winning some championships, the first one we won, I was like out in the field celebrating, throwing up. We were throwing our stuff all over the place and we were so excited. And then, you know, by my third or fourth one, I kind of watched them celebrate and I got more joy out of watching the girls celebrate than I celebrated myself. And I think that was just kind of, again, experience and being there and doing that. But it really was cool to kind of watch the girls experience the win and the championship as opposed to when I first started coaching, like I took that so personally. So that was one of the things that I thought was kind of cool. I don't know if that's a mistake, but it's just something I learned along the way. It's just, it's a long season kind of, you know, stay even and don't get too high and don't get too low. And you just kind of, again, working with players and developing relationships. I think those are one of the things too that you learn over time how to do that and that every kid is different. And I think when I first started coaching, then you try to treat everybody the same, like, oh, you need to treat them the same. But I don't really believe that. I think that everybody's different and everybody needs to be treated fairly. You know, everybody needs to be fairly is not necessarily the same. So I think that's one of the things I've been trying to do as I go into my coaching. I still feel like even to this day, after all these years of coaching, I still feel I learn more from the players than they learn from me. Like everyone that comes in brings a different experience and a different past. And it's just kind of cool to pick their brain. I always say I'm kind of a player's coach. I want to hear what they have to say. And I'm big on getting their opinions and what they think and what they want to do. And I think that that started again, just from me starting out being a head coach right out of the gate, never been an assistant. I'm, I've always, on my players to teach me so I think that's pretty cool I 
want to try to focus on the treat them different, but treat them fairly quote that you just said, because it reminds me of, and I'm sure you're at least aware of him and your time in the Bronx, Joe Torrey, who was the manager of the Yankees almost said literally that same thing before that you treat people differently, but you give them all the fair shot. And it kind of seems counterintuitive. Like when you say it out loud, it's like, well, how do you treat people differently, but treat them fairly. But I, I totally get what he meant from reading it in the context of what he was talking about. But I'd love to hear from your perspective about like how you approach that with the different girls on your team and different situations that come from that. And I think it's just getting to know them. You get to, yeah, the first thing you got to do with coaching is get to know them as a person first. Like, not worry about, obviously, they're all talented. They're all there. They all have skills. The next step, dive into when we get our, you know, our girls on campus. And obviously, recruiting, you get to know them pretty good, too, which is nice. We have the recruiting phase where we get to know them, learn more about them. And then, obviously, they come to campus and we get to know them as a player. But I think getting to know them individually, that's how you kind of know what makes them tick because it's different for everybody. So, it'll be something as easy as who you're really going to get on, you're really going to yell at, and who you can't do that too because some of them just crumbled some of them really need to be criticized one-on-one they don't like it you know when you do that in front of everybody nobody likes to be criticized but at the same time there's some people that can take it some people that can't and how to push certain buttons there's some players that i've had you almost had to they needed you to yell at them they were like hey yell at me this is what they do this is gonna push me (laughs) and then some of the players like don't do that i'll crumble i'll get into a shell and i don't i don't like to be yelled at and that's just kind of getting to know what makes them tick because the kids that want to want you to get on them you need to be there for them too. You need to be able to do that for them. And some of these kids, they, they need that motivation. They need somebody to be on and make sure that they're being held accountable and making sure they're doing everything to do, getting the reps they need to get in. And you're watching them. And we kind of know which kids we can rely on certain things and which kids we really need to get on them about. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point to the whole treat them differently, but treat them fairly is it's, it's really like the, the whole learning context of everything, right? Like each individual is going to learn in a different way and each individual is going to respond to feedback and to criticism in a different way. So I love, yeah. And I, I love that point. And I'd like to be able to try to connect this to the larger team aspect of everything and how, I guess from a outside perspective, you would love to be able to have that individualized time with your players all the time, but NCAA restrictions, and I'm sure you're well, well versed in this more than I am, but kind of limit the time that you have with a team. And, and I imagine that your interactions with them are more on a large team basis than they are on individual team basis. So how do you go about that philosophy and still be able to still be able to be effective in a full team setting like that? Yeah, no, that's an awesome question. That's, that's, I think, the biggest challenge, like you said, you know, getting to know everybody one-on-one, but yet you don't have the time, you don't get to see them that much, and a lot of times you're together as a team. So we do we do spend a lot of time on the team building stuff, and I'm not real big on someone like the, the team building where you go, you make them do this and make them do this, and some <laughs> of the cornier, I guess, kind of team builders. Right. So we don't do a lot of like, hey, you need to write this about this person. It's, I, I think that's like forced fun, and I'm like, we're not going to do forced fun. So our team builders are stuff that we try to get together and just – do things as a team outside of softball. So, so one of them, and it counts towards our hours. It does, but we'll do they this year. We're going to do goat yoga. So it's like, Hey, let's go out and do something fun. We're going to go bowling was a big thing. I know my last, my first year at Villanova was a big thing for us. We just, we went out bowling just for something fun to do. And we really learned, believe it or not, a lot about each of them. I was on this path with them where they weren't really, they didn't have a lot of fire. They didn't really have a passion. Like, do you guys get excited? Like what's going on? They, I didn't think they really, 
liked playing. I didn't, I didn't think they knew how to compete. And we got to the bowling alley and holy cow, like they were so competitive. <laughs> they were throwing and people were jumping up and down. They were crossing their arms. We still look to this day. We're like making X with our arms. And they were like, going, I'm like, wow, like a bell. And I'm like, they do have competitiveness. They do have passion. So now it's my job as a coach. So how do I get them to do that on the softball field? Because they are competitive and they want to win and they want to get after it. So it was some of those things that you learn off the field that's the that kind of you can translate onto the field. And I think kind of getting to know, if they get to know each other, like you said, it's hard for me as one person. I lean on my assistants a ton as well. And they're younger. They both, both of my assistants played for me um, at different times. So I'm really big into loyalty and I'm big into them getting to know me. So obviously they play for me, they know what we're expecting. So they're big at kind of getting to know each player themselves as well. And it's definitely been helping as I get older and students still stay the same age, it gets a little bit harder for me <laughs> to try to connect with them one-on-one and you have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what is that? What is TikTok? Like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, Man, I'm losing my touch. Um, so that's where I rely a lot of my assistants. They're younger. They've been there, done that. Cause even like things when I first started just, coaching that's why my friends are you know still my friends from my Cabrini days I was the same age as them I'm 21 they're you know 18 19 so we connected very easily as I got older it was a little bit harder because I wasn't the same page with them on a lot of different things so I think that's where I use my assistants a lot more to kind of keep me in touch with what's going on and what does this mean what's this person doing and even like I said with the age of internet and cell phones social media that all came about as I was getting into my coaching career and it was crazy. Like they're posting things and we're like, no, you can't do that. And, well, you've never been through it. So I haven't, as a player, never had all my stats posted online, you know, and now you're like, wow, this pressure. They're having to see this stuff online. No wonder they care a lot about their stats. Like when we played, nobody really knew your stats. So I think there's a lot more pressures on today's athletes for sure, for a lot of reasons. And I think one of the biggest ones obviously is the stuff we didn't have with the social media that they, that they have now. So it's kind of getting to know them and having them feel comfortable responding. So a lot of me kind of knowing them is letting them feel comfortable come talk to me. So I always encourage them, you know, like I said, outside of softball, like come in, talk to me. I want them to feel comfortable to kind of tell me anything and everything that's going on. And because I've been coaching so long, there really isn't anything I haven't heard. Um, good, the bad, the ugly. So I'm kind of ready for it all. What you just walked us through, I think, beautifully illustrates how important it is to get outside of the softball bubble or whatever bubble you're in for the sport that you're playing. And I was speaking with Mary Wise, who's the volleyball coach down at Florida rather recently. And she talked about how she had some type of lunch meeting with her athletic director. And it was like, literally they were out to lunch, like outside of the athletic department and the offices on campus. And it was a whole different atmosphere and a whole different dynamic where she was able to talk with him and, talk about what things that she wanted, what things that she needed, and just talk about the season ahead. And I'm wondering from your perspective, is it important for you to be able to do some of those team building components early in the season or like even before the season starts so that you can answer that ultimate question, which you talked about when you were just walking us through all that was how do you get them to be the way that they are off the softball field on the softball field? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing is that like, it all comes back for me is comes back to trust. Like don't, you can't just get trust automatically. You know, you got to earn that trust and it takes time. It takes time to earn that trust. They're not going to trust you right away. You're not going to trust them right away. So that's something that kind of needs to develop when we talk about that a lot with them, you know, you got to earn it. It takes a while to get their trust. And it also is 
very easy to lose the trust. So we, we talk about how we're going to build that up and how we're going to maintain that between player to player, coach to coach, and, you know, within the whole team and get them to understand that, you know, we're there for them and we're going to do what it takes on the field and off the field. I think that's one of the biggest things with being a college coach, which really like, I love the competition. I love the games, but at the same time, I love dealing with these student athletes and what they're doing off the field and their jobs that they're getting after attending their weddings. My players from Korea are not having babies and just seeing their whole lives. It's just really cool to kind of see what they're doing, but it has nothing to do with softball. And if you ask some kids too about, you know, their careers, they're going to remember the most memories are like their bus rides and their hotels and the airplanes, airports, and fun stuff they did together. Not a lot of it is actually between the lines. So it's just kind of cool to know, like, this is what's impacting them. Their only way they're going to run through a wall for you is if they know you do the same for them. Hey, everyone. Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders podcast is here to help you be a better leader. And the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com, that's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com, to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. We've talked a lot about what you do with your student athletes when they get on campus, and I'd love to dive a little bit more into the recruiting aspect because you mentioned earlier a little bit about the challenges of just how the softball world is different than it was when you were going through it. So just from a honest perspective, it's it's going to be hard for you to connect because you didn't experience it yourself. So when it comes to being able to make those connections in a way that may be different than it was when you were going through it, do you rely on some of your younger assistants in those moments to help you through whatever it is, like if you're trying to connect with somebody and you can't figure out what it is that they really want, or you're traveling to find all these different players, like how different is it actually? And how much do you have to rely on some of your younger assistants to help you through that? You really do. We use a lot of our players, you know, and I even think even when I first started, I think the players, the ones that win the recruiting battle for you, you know, like we're going to kind of evaluate the talent and kind of go after the kids. But I think as far as getting kids to commit or getting kids to come, and a lot of them will say, oh, it's the coach, it's the school, but I really believe it's the players. And if our girls can get out and meet them, we have everybody come to campus for campus visits. And it's really important for me to get them to meet our players, you know, meet all the different, you know, one from each class, if, if it's possible. You want them to get to know the players and the team because that's who they're going to be hanging out with most of the time. We try to say, hey, you're going to have other friends on campus, but we all know you're pretty much with your team 24 hours a day the whole year um those people you're going to relate with people you're going to get along with so we rely on our players a lot to say hey is this kid going to fit our culture is she going to fit in with what we do every day and and we try to i try to obviously as a coach evaluate that get to know the get to know the recruits and i think oh yeah this is going to be a good fit but there's been times where we've been wrong where the players come back and say you know what coach oh she's she's not going to fit in with this team. And then we kind of kind of make a tough decision. Like, all right, do we, do we offer this kid or do we, or we take the opinion of our student athletes? And more than that, we're going to go with our student athletes opinions. 
And again, what you just walked us through goes back to what you said a few minutes earlier with the trusts. Like, how do you think it's common that other programs operate in that way where they rely on their current players for their opinions on incoming players or potential players and teammates? Um, I think it's, you know, and I have a lot of, obviously a lot of my good friends are in coaching, a lot of my coaching colleagues, and I think everybody's different, you know, everybody's different on how, what they're going to bring into the program and how they do. And I think some coaches really want to make that call themselves and they want to make, they want to be the one that makes the offer and based on their opinions of it. So I think that, and they've had success with that. I've just had success with bringing in kids because then when it comes back to it, like even our players know that too, like when they were recruited, like we do a lot, we'll do camps, our girls will work the camps. And so they kind of get to meet them on that aspect of it as well. Not just obviously on a visits. And then they're there as freshmen say, Hey, remember how you guys felt to be, you were, you were going to looked at how you felt to be a recruit. So this is kind of how you're going to treat them and how they're going to treat you. And so I think a lot of them, get that makes it the trust thing that they know that we're bringing in kids that they got to spend four years with. And so they're usually pretty honest. And like I said, my assistants are better than me at it for sure. Um, they're younger. They've played, they know what these kids are going to have to go through. So we do, and we do, we do look at their social medias. You know, we see what they're, I like, I want kids that are all about softball, you know, cause it is when you get here, it's all softball. Obviously you're going to have your academics. That's going to come first and they're going to do their community service and they're going to do something they need off the field. But, Pretty much, if you don't like to play softball all day, every day, we're going to go out and get somebody that does. So it does, you know, go on, we go on social medias and our Twitters. And I'm not as good as it as my assistants are, even our players, but you kind of look at it and see, like, do they have any posts related to softball or is everything about going to the beach in the summertime? <laughs> For me, that's kind of a flag. I'm like, ah, it's great. I love, you know, my daughter loves going to the beach, going swimming, but I wouldn't recruit her to play softball, you know? So um, there are things now, and it does, I think, does make it harder as a recruit. You really do got to watch everything that you're doing because it's sad that we, we can see their lives without them even knowing we're seeing it. So it is, it is interesting. And how they treat their parents. I think it's another big thing for me is I'm big on character and we'll go to these games and these kids, and I have three of my own kids, so I get it. My kids are rude to me sometimes <laughs> and I get where they're coming from, but it's sometimes you kind of watch these kids and if they're constantly, you know, one of the big things is if they're yelling at the parents in the stands or if the parents are yelling at them or if they're, oh, they're carrying their bags for them, all, constantly bringing them drinks and bringing them water. And you're like, I like to see some independency there, you know, and these kids that are going to kind of play, they're, they're going to treat their parents really well. Cause if they don't treat their parents well, they're probably not going to treat you very well. Yeah, that's a great point. And something I've heard multiple coaches talk about. So a couple of things with your culture that I heard you say there, you're looking for girls that love softball and want to just be all involved in that. You're looking for girls that respect their parents or respect their elders in general and aren't as dependent on them as sadly as we see uh, some kids in society these days. What other aspects are there that you're looking for? So you mentioned a few there. Is there anything else that you left out that says... I think they go along with them and kind of, I guess, obvious thing is just great teammates. You know, I think that being a great teammate is huge. Like I always, I tell a story. I think when I took the job at Villanova, I was coming in and we obviously, there was a class that was incoming class that was coming in. And one of the girls actually sent me a video of her future teammate. They were both, they were both seniors in high school. They're playing travel ball and they were going to be freshmen that year. I didn't know either of them. The previous coach recruited them, obviously 
contacted them, talked to them. We kind of formed a relationship. And one of the girls actually sent me a video of her teammate hitting a home run. And I just thought it was so cool because it wasn't about her. It was about her teammate. And to me, I was like, wow, this is great. You know, we, we get a kid that really gets it and understands it. And a lot of these kids will send it of themselves, but nobody had sent me one of somebody else before. So it was really cool. So I kind of knew from that day, you know, like you know, she's sending me this video of somebody else hitting a home run. Who's going to be her future teammate? I think this group is really going to click. And, and they, they're sophomores now, and they're probably the, one of the tightest classes we've had. And I think it kind of goes back to them being just really good teammates and looking out for each other. And it was really cool that she would send that to me. So it seems to me, and please tell me if I'm wrong, but just from listening to you talk about all this, that you don't really have as much room to coach these players when they come to campus. What you're looking for, you almost in a way want it already to be a part of their dynamic, be a part of who they are. Maybe they need a little bit of coaching and refining here and there, but you can't, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, you're not looking for projects per se, correct? Absolutely. Yep. No, we're looking, like I said, that's what thing is. It's, I think it's like you said, it's good and bad about being a college coach. It's like we get them it's kind of, you get what they already got, but I mean, the positive is that you can, can pick that and kind of hopefully you can pick that out. Um, like you said, the negative is no, we're not real. Once they get here, I think it's kind of hard to change somebody's character. You know, if they're not good teammates, if they're not good people, you're, you're not going to fix that. You're going to have to get that. So that's why we kind of focus on that. I think a lot of the recruiting, obviously talent, that's, that's a given. But I think that next step is like, who's going to be fun to be around? Who's going to be a great teammate? Who's going to play a great role? Who's going to be that kid still cheering on the bench for the girl that plays their position? And there's a lot of really tough things and they, and they know that coming in, but it's like, I want to be part of this program and it's lifelong. And these girls are amazing friends and it's, gone on way before I was even here at Villanova. I played for so the coach that retired, Marie DiBernardi. She was my coach. So she was here for 34 years and I took over. So it's kind of cool because I still know, obviously, the alumni that I played with. The program kind of just keeps rolling right along, which has been awesome. We went up to San Diego about two weeks ago for our spring break. And we got to I got to meet a lot of the alumni that had played over the last 10 years. And it was just cool to see the kind of people that Maria brought in. And they're just great people working really hard, really successful, great teammates, great supporters. And it was no surprise to me because I knew that's kind of what Maria went after. And she went after really good kids. Now, when push comes to shove or you're on that pendulum swing and you're trying to determine whether a player is ultimately going to fit into your culture, does the character always outweigh the talent or the skill level of somebody that you're looking at? Absolutely. And that would go back, I think, to when you asked about mistakes, that would be a mistake as a young coach. When I was, you would have asked me this, and I talk about it with my husband all the time, it's funny, he's like, you would have taken her years ago. You know, you would have that. <laughs> when I was first coaching, I didn't care what kind of person. I thought, oh man, she can hit home runs. You know? She's going to strike every batter out. Like, she's the greatest athlete I've ever seen. And I don't think, I just didn't know that you need to look at those different things until you've had some problems with your coach. You go, wow, I could have avoided that because I knew that this kid was going to be this or that. And so that is one of the young mistakes I think that I had made is, you know, you want to take a chance with some of these kids, but your gut tells you, I don't know, even from like an academic standpoint. Well, I'm going to take this kid. I don't think academically she can handle it here, but she's a really good player. It always bites you in the butt because, you know what, they're over their head. They, they can't handle it. And you kind of knew that going in. And I think as a young coach, you're looking at just talent because you think that's what's going to win you games. But it doesn't. The talent isn't winning you games. I think our best teams weren't our most talented teams. Our best teams are the teams that got along together. And, again, they have talent, absolutely. The ones that actually would battle for each other and go to war, those are the ones that are going to championships. 
So cool. And I know there is so much more that goes into being a coach as well. And we've touched on a few of those aspects in our conversation today. But if there's somebody who's listening and they're aspiring to be a head coach, whether they've gotten into coaching already or they're an assistant and they're looking to climb that ladder to the head coaching position, can you just tell us a little bit more about what the day in, day out responsibilities of your job entail if somebody's trying to determine, is this something I really want to do? Or maybe they got scared away already by all that recruiting talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I try to push all my kids to do that. Um, and actually my assistant coach now, Gabby Ludi, so she was one of my players and she was actually pre-med, going to be a doctor at Fordham. Um, and now she coaches with me. So I thought her parents might kill me <laughs> when we were, I think it was like her junior year or so when she started you know, she was doing her biology classes, but she just really took an act of coaching. And I thought, yeah, why don't you try coaching? And then I hit me like, oh no, like maybe not. <laughs> not your coach. But, um, and she's still coaching to this day, um, which is funny because I just think that it's something that you have to be really passionate about. You have to really enjoy it. You're not going to get paid as much as, like I said, a lawyer, a doctor, or a business person. But I think there is so many rewards and so many things that it has taught me and taught me how to be a better mother, how to be a better wife. It's just been great, the ins and outs of it. And obviously, you need to have a lot of support. And I wouldn't be here without the people around me. Obviously, my husband, the springtime for him is pretty crazy with our three kids. And he kind of takes every weekend and kind of lets me do my thing. So I'm really appreciative to have somebody like him. So you're going to have to have a big support system. My parents, my brother, my husband, you'll have to have somebody supporting you. There's so many ups and there's so many downs. So that's one of the other things to take note of that you got, you got to be able to handle those waves. Um, but I definitely think the rewards way outweigh the risks. So basically, it's got to be one of those jobs you're all in for. You can't just kind of sit behind your computer yeah. and coast along. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it is. It really, that's why I think if it doesn't feel like a job, like it doesn't end, which I like about it. But like, no, you're working 24 hours a day. Like, we don't know what weekends are. Like, we don't know what off time is. Like, you're really working 24 hours a day. It's something that's always going in my head or always going on with softball, planning practice, planning scheduling, you know, doing your hotels, doing your Everything you do, you know, dealing with the student athletes on a daily basis, you have 20 girls that you're constantly trying to stay in contact with and make sure they're at their best academically, athletically, you know, they're getting jobs, they're in healthy relationships. You're just really always involved. And I think that's one of the things. It's, it's not a part-time thing. You're, either, you're all in or it'll eat you up real fast. I think sometimes it can be counterproductive to look too far ahead and miss out on what's happening here in the present, but you leave Fordham after 17 seasons to come home, if you will, and take over this program. Did you have some type of vision? Like what was, what was the reasoning behind taking that leap and taking that next step? Like what are the things that you're hoping to accomplish now that you're at Villanova? Um, I think, I mean, one of the biggest things is obviously family related, you know, this is a family bringing our family back here. My husband also is a Villanova grad. Um, so that's where we met. We came back here. We have our three children. Boys are, my two boys are huge into basketball. So obviously those national championships helped <laughs> to move a little bit. Um, they've always been Villanova fans, but they were not thrilled to move. They did not want to move. We obviously they were in New York their whole life and we're going to move to Philly. That was not easy at all. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. We knew it was going to be transition, but said, I think 
the the risk to me was just the reward was so much better than the risks. And I talked to you know a lot of people before making the move, and obviously one of them, Mark Jackson, who's our athletic director, I mean, he was the main key ingredient why we took this move. Talking to him and what his vision was for our program got me excited. And I'm excited a lot. So for him to get me more excited than I normally am was just something where I knew in my heart, like this this is a spot to go. Like this guy is really passionate, he's invested, he has a vision. We just aligned on all the same pages and I thought, you know what? It's it was a challenge, it's definitely is a challenge, got me out of my comfort zone. I said winning at Fordham and we were kind of rolling, everything was perfect there and I loved my time at Fordham so I didn't leave because something wasn't right it just for me it felt like okay you know what I had 17 years here we had won seven in a row I've gone to NCAAs every year and so I think I was almost ready for a new new challenge in life and a new move and my kids were at that age so my son was we had seventh eighth grade and fourth grade and it was like if we're gonna move now's the time to do it I didn't want to move when they got to high school and I wasn't sure if I was going to be in New York forever so um that was more kind of the timing and, you know, Mark Jackson convinced me that this was going to be a place to come and then kind of see my alma mater. I really, really want that championship and they, ha- they haven't won. We haven't won a championship here in the Big East and that's kind of what the team's goals is and we really want that. And I saw that as a challenge and I definitely think that they can do it. So cool and definitely going to be rooting for for you from the sidelines, although we have to wait this season into next <laughs> season now with uh, the coronavirus and everything. But when we talk about coaching and we talk about you being a woman in sports, is it important to you to be visible and to be vocal for the next generation of women to have somebody to look up to as being a role model? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's because I think that's kind of what worked for me. You know, I was out to see, you know, these women taking these positions and just seeing the success and their ability to be able to do that. And it's definitely been big for me to be able to say like, Hey, we're women, we're strong, we're empowered. We can do a lot of cool, crazy, awesome things. And I think that, that that's helped a ton. And even to see some of my former players, one player in particular is Kayla Lombardo. Um, she played for me at Fordham and she's huge into sports and now she's going and she's big into the women empowerment and she now works for softball America and she's rights and she's on Twitter and I'm just so proud of see what she does every day and that's like her big thing is like we're gonna elevate this to the next level and just to say that like hey I had some impact of that she played for me we learned from each other and to see how she's carrying that movement along is just cool because it says to me like hey like these girls are going to go on and they're going to do some really big things and she's one of the people that I kind of point to all the time to say hey she really took 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 it by the wings and is running with it. Bridget, if people want to follow along with you or the program, where can we find you on social media or the internet? So definitely VU Softball is our Twitter. And then I have my own, which is just Bridget Orchard. I'm not even sure what my Bridget Orchard on Twitter. I don't know what the actual, this is where I show that I'm old. I don't know what the like <laughs> tag is. <laughs> I don't know how to find me. I think you just, I just Google things. Um, on Twitter, you search Bridge Orchard, I will pop up. And I tried to post. Um, so I'm on there, obviously, via our website, you know, Villanova.com. This, we keep up with all the stories that are going on and everything we're able to do. And we hope to get some more fans out there, some more supporters. Awesome. I will find that information and throw it into the show notes. So everyone, easy reference, if they're listening, they want to follow along, we'll throw that right in there. And Bridget, before I let you go, the show is called Dynamic Leaders. And you have showcased today just how dynamic of a leader you are. And I'm sure the girls that you get to coach on that softball program believe in you and the energy that you bring. It's really been 
shown, I think, in a great way in this conversation. But I like to give my guests an opportunity to shout out somebody who's been influential from either a leadership perspective or just in general in their own life. Do you have somebody that you want to give a quick shout out to today? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, it's going to seem like, hey, you know, I'm just doing this because he's my boss. But um, Mark <laughs> Jackson, um, like you, when you said dynamic leader, and you, you mentioned it before we talked, and if somebody's dynamic leader, it's Mark Jackson. I mean, he's our athletic director here at Villanova, but he always talks about his four Fs. Like I said before, he's the reason we got here. But he talks about his family, fun, faith, friendship, I think it is. But it's all those cool things that he brings, just so dynamic. But he competes for us like no other, especially when you talk about the women's sports. Like he has daughter that plays softball. He has four kids. So he has two daughters. One is playing softball. She's going to Princeton next year to play softball. His wife played softball. So he's into it. He comes to our games. He sits in our dugout. He traveled to Florida with us. So it's just somebody that when I say like, okay, this guy's leading us, he's not leading just by saying, do this or do that. It kind of reminds me when you talked about your other guest you had on the podcast, went to lunch with, with their boss. And Mark makes us feel like that all the time. It's not just you know me as a softball coach, but I think all the other coaches in the department and everybody he works with, he makes everybody feel like they're really important. And obviously I know he has a million other things going on. So it's just kind of cool to me to see somebody that has so much going on. He was just named vice president of the university as well. So you think like, here's this big time guy, the vice president, but he's going to text you. He's going to, you know, he'll invite you over to his house. You know, he just does things that I think he was, we were out recruiting. Like I said, his daughter Grace plays and she plays on a local travel team, the PA chaos, and she's being recruited. He's there and introduced to somebody and they're like, wow, he's just like a regular dad. And he's just laughing because like, that's what he is. You know, like, he, he is a regular dad. Um, so it's just kind of cool because he has these huge titles and has accomplished so much, but yet he's just so down to earth. And it's just been fun being here, working for him and working with him. It's really great. That is an awesome shout out and just a quick side note of how important it is to build a trusting relationship with your boss. So <laughs> definitely, <Absolutely. laughs> definitely going to make things a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable. And it sounds like you've achieved both of those, so. but Absolutely. it's been awesome. Awesome. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today and share all your expertise. I know I've learned a lot and I know people are going to take a lot from this, but can't thank you enough for taking the time to hop on the show. No problem. Thank you so much for having me.